0: Law of attraction, is it just a myth or a reality? Listen in while Sharon describes her discovery of the law of attraction principles around 20 years ago and how she applied them to her life and work in another episode of Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. She also lets you know how she got her start from cleaning houses to being a strong business influence in the community. And most importantly, she is gonna share with you how you can change your story using the same techniques that she did. Let's get started.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose on this beautiful August, beautiful day. And it's our 50th episode. Pretty excited about that. And actually, can you tell I'm losing my voice a little bit? So turn anything else off you've got going on there and listen up because this is an important episode. I want to talk to you about the law of attraction. And I, I know, I know, I know a lot of people wonder, you know, like, Is the law of attraction a real thing or is it just a gimmicky thing that came out when The the Secret came out, the book? And, you know, some of the characters in The Secret are really valid and valuable members of our teaching and holistic growth community. But the marketing that was done and the way that a lot of the information came out around law of attraction was kind of misleading. People came away from reading the book or watching the movie with the idea that if you focus on something and you just go, I really, 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 really want that and it's going to happen, that's misleading. (laughs) And so what I want to do today, I'm a law of attraction fanatic. I love the way law of attraction works. I've used it over and over and over. I use it every day in my business, in my life, with all kinds of different things. And I, I love it. Because the whole premise behind law of attraction is, as you think, so you are. You might want to write that down. As you think, so you are. So we, you, create our, your own reality. So you create your own reality. I create my own reality. And one of the biggest challenges that the law of attraction, the way it's been presented so far, and the way a lot of people have understood it is. It falls in line with our desire to not have to be responsible for difficult, challenging things in our lives. And, uh, you know, we just make a wish and it'll wish will come true. And if it doesn't, well, that law of attraction thing doesn't work, (laughs) but it doesn't work like that. And the actual opposite is, is the truth. The law of attraction is as we think, so we are. So if you take responsibility for the good, the bad, and the ugly in your life, And you choose, you choose because we as humans have the power of choice. So you choose a better way or a better style or a better method than the one that didn't work. Then you are taking control of your story and you're starting to create your own reality by making choices and saying, I made this choice. It led me down this road. It didn't work out, but it was my choice. It's not anybody else's fault. It's mine. And it goes even so simply as to say, you know, you hear people say things like, well, she really made me mad. Well, she really can't make you mad. She can do whatever she wants to do and have an action, take an action or say something to you. And you can choose to react in multiple different ways, whichever way you choose. But understand if anger is your choice, then that's your choice. It's got nothing to do with what what came at you. And that is the premise of law of attraction. That is exactly why so many people misunderstand law of attraction. A lot of it has to do with our cultural upbringing. A lot of it has to do with the idea of, because this falls right in line with spiritual work, but also the practical physical work required from us on the planet. And so I'm going to give you some examples of what worked for me and what's worked for other clients. It's actually quite hilarious. There's been some amazing stories and Even today, I still shake my head because I didn't grow up knowing about the law of attraction either. I mean, I'm a a product of the 50s and 60s. So, you know, it was a little different back then. I want you to hang on too. don't go anywhere until the very end of this, because I'm going to pick a card for you and it'll fall right in line with the law of attraction principles. You'll really like it. Okay, so. When I was first exposed to law of attraction it was very similar to most people. It was the book, The Secret. Do you know I've never actually read the whole book? <laughs> Why didn't I read the whole book? Well, because I thought it was too far-fetched. It didn't make sense to me. I grew up with the idea that hard work is how you got where you get. And you do the job, you put in the effort, you put in the time, you put in your hours and you'll get the reward. And to some respect, that's true. But what if you're doing the time and doing the work and putting in the time and getting the reward at whatever level you're getting the reward, but you hate what you're doing? How does that impact your growth? How does that impact you moving forward? If your emotional setting is way, way down the scale, you're not feeling good about your job, you're not passionate about it, you're going to work, you're spinning your wheels, and then you go home and you do that every day. How does that impact the law of attraction in your life? Because you know, There's a lot of people out there that really don't like what they're doing and they're doing it because they, they figure, well, that's all they know. That's all they can do. They don't believe in things like the law of attraction where maybe they could draw to them a whole new experience. So here, I'm going to give you an example. That's a perfect one to start with right there with work. I've had a lot of clients come to me who are really struggling with their work and they're unhappy and they've been at it for a long time. And I'll say to them, well, what else do you love? And, and, and so inevitably what I'll do is I'll say, what if I was to give you, because we're a materialistic, capitalistic society, right? So I'll say to them, what if I was to give you a million dollars? What's the first thing you would do? And they write it down. What's the second thing you would do? And then what's the third thing you would do? And you know what? I would ask you to do that exercise. I would ask you to do that. And if you choose to do that exercise and you're not real sure why I asked it, then you can always get a hold of me and I will give you the rest of the equation on that. But the reason being is that if you give people a great deal of money, because we are money seekers in our culture anyways, if you give them a great deal of money, then they believe all their problems are going to be solved. Everything's gonna be taken care of. You know, There's a lot of rich people that have died from horrible diseases. There's a lot of rich people who have, have lost everything they owned. There's a lot of rich people who have lost all those that they love. There's a lot of rich people out there that are miserable. So money is not the solution. Money is not the answer. And for a lot of people, I think they get it. I think people understand money isn't the solution. But but we do have this idea that if we get a lot of money, it's going to solve all of our problems. One of the things that I learned how to do way before I learned how to do anything else was try to be as positive as I could be. I come from an environment that was fairly toxic. And so I thought to myself, I remember going to a actually, it wasn't even a thought to myself. It was an actual workshop. I went to a workshop years and years and years ago. Gosh, I was in my twenties way back. And it was about successful living. It was, I'll give you the title of it and everything, but I think the gentleman's still out and about. And I don't know, maybe he's not, maybe he's passed away. He was a flaming alcoholic. Anyways, the guy that taught the course. I didn't know it at the time. I did not know it at the time, but anyways, I went to his workshop and I was really, I'd come from a very repressed environment. I'd come from an environment where I wasn't allowed to make a lot of choices and a lot of all my choices were made for me. So I didn't, I, I, even when I first started, when I moved out on my own at 17 and I went to the grocery store, I didn't have a clue how to shop because I grew up in the food industry. We always had food that we got from the restaurant. You know, there was want pork chops for supper, go get some pork chops, go come at home. Shopping was a whole new adventure for me. And, and I loved it. And today I love food shopping. I think it's really fun because there's always these weird, bizarre things like, chicken in a can or potatoes in a can. And I'm like, why would people do that? But that's just me. I'm a country girl anyways. But I remember going to this workshop and I remember sitting there and and listening to him and listening to him. And I, he talked for, it was a two day workshop. He talked for two full days. And the only thing I came away with, only thing I came away with, and I was blown away that I didn't know this before was that I had the power of choice. I had the ability to choose. I could choose how I wanted to move forward. I wasn't even aware that when I decided if I went into a restaurant, what I wanted to eat that I was choosing. I just, the power of choice never occurred to me. I never thought of it. And in our very fast paced, somewhat abusive to the love of the human world that we live in right now. People don't realize they have the power of choice. So the first thing that has to happen is you have to choose. So after I realized that I had the power of choice, I made a lot of changes in my life by choice instead of just feeling like I was at the mercy of the economics or I was at the mercy of other people or that I was powerless and I couldn't make choices. And just becoming aware that I could make choices gave me, empowered me and gave me the ability to choose how I wanted my day to be. And I would get wake up in the morning and I'd decide, how do I want my day to be? I want my day to be great. I got in the habit of starting to make notes in the evenings of things I wanted to achieve the next day, whatever line of work I was in. And I'd get up the next morning and I'd feel really good because I just knew it was going to be a great day and I'd get on about what I was doing. And I was also very careful to make sure That whatever it is I took on as an activity for my work, that I enjoyed it, at least to some degree. Now, granted, there's going to be some times and things and situations where you're not going to be able to do everything because you like it. It's going to be a necessity. And that happened to me too. I remember at one point in time, I was completely broke. And I had two little kids and I was a single mom. Completely broke, living in a huge townhouse complex. And I didn't know what I was going to do. How was I going to pay my rent? So I went down to talk to the property managers and I said, you know, I'm really struggling here. I'm like, I'm not working right now and I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. And they said, well, how do you feel about doing some cleaning? I'm like, well, sure, anything. So they said, well, we've got move outs at the end of every month. People come in and they move out of their units and we need cleaning crews to come in and clean those units before we can re-rent them. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm on it. Great. That's awesome. And they said, well, what we'll do is we'll advance you the money to pay the rent for this month coming up and you go to work for us and then we'll just see how it goes. And I was pumped. I was like, oh, my God, I've got work. I can pay my rent. Now, what did this have to do with a positive attitude? Not much. You're going to say, well, you got lucky. Maybe I did. They had that point in time, didn't have a cleaning crew. But I don't believe in luck. I believe in things happening for a reason. There's always a purpose. And so I, I went to work cleaning. And it was it was at a point in time, and I don't even remember what year it was. It would be in the 70s, but it was when Flashdance was big. <laughs> the 70s, early 80s, Flashdance was like the big thing. So I would go and I'd take my ghetto blaster, whatever you want to call it, with me. And I'd take all my cleaning supplies. And I'd go to these empty units and I'd start cleaning and I'd have the Flashdance dance. Uh, was it a CD or was it even a, a cassette tape or something? Anyways, it would play over and over and over. I'd play that the whole thing over and over, just blaring. And you could always find me anywhere in the complex. And this was a huge townhouse complex. I mean, there was anywhere from three to 400 units. And I'm cleaning and having a blast. Like I'm dancing with my mop. I'm just having a blast and I'm really enjoying it. Why am I enjoying it? Well, because I actually solved a problem. I solved a problem in my rent. And I also knew that I would be able to have some money in my jeans for groceries and for all my utility bills and things that I needed to take care of besides just my rent, which was exciting for me. I was able to look after my kids. I was able, everything was going great. And it turned out they really liked the work I did. They liked the cleaning job I did. And they asked me, would you like to do a few more units? And I went, yeah, sure. Then I just took on the task of cleaning all the units at the end of the month, each month. And it got so that I was too busy. I I just, there were so many units that would be empty at times that I couldn't do them all. And so I sat down and went, what do you love to do when you're cleaning these units? And what do you really hate to do? Well, (laughs) I really hate cleaning kitchens and I really hate cleaning bathrooms. (laughs) So I went to a lady I knew was looking for some part-time work uh, in the complex. She lived right in the complex. And I said, you feel like coming to work with me and you can take care of all the kitchens. And she liked cleaning, her place was spotless. And I said, all you have to do is kitchens. You don't have to vacuum, you don't have to wash windows. I'll do all that but you just have to do kitchens. Yeah, that'd be great. So she came to work for me. So now I can take on more units because now I've got some help. And then I ended up hiring another girl who came on and she just did bathrooms. Again, a gal that was super clean, really liked good hygiene, really liked clean. And she was also in the townhouse complex. She was on support, getting support from the government. She was a single mom as well. And she wanted to supplement her income and she was able to do it to a certain amount so she could go part time. So she did the bathrooms. So here we are, the three of us. She's once cleaning bathrooms, once cleaning kitchens, and I'm cleaning the rest. Took us no time to blow off an apartment, no time at all to get done an apartment or a condo, a townhouse. And we'd be moving on to the next one. And then I started realizing. And so the company would pay me and then I would pay my girls. And it was so interesting because I ended up with a company. I ended up with a company from being broke and going to the townhouse complex managers and asking them, you know, how would I, could I pay my rent? Like trying to explain to them that I had no money. And I ended up in a position where I was able to go back to school. I had extra money in my jeans. I could buy clothes for my kids when they went back to school. It was just, it was fantastic. And it held me over until the next best thing came along. Now, was that my dream job? That wasn't my dream job. Of course, it wasn't my dream job. But was it a dream come true? Absolutely. What was it, do you think, that might have given me the opportunity to get that position? Do you think it might have had anything to do with the fact that I didn't go in to see the, the complex management and complain and whine and moan and groan how the system was doing me wrong and how being a single mom was so tough and how I didn't have any money and oh, woe is me and blaming everybody else? Maybe they just liked the fact that I went in, I was straight up, I was honest, and I just told them what my situation was, and I was looking for some guidance and some solutions. Do you think maybe they just liked that? And then when I did a good job, because I was having fun, I mean, how do you not do a good job at anything when you're enjoying it, right? Then I got more units, and I got more work. I built a, a bit of a team, and a small team, but still a team, and I had this great job. That's a good example of law of attraction at work right there. Another situation that I can tell you years later, I remember having coffee with some girlfriends and I remember I always buy these tickets for the home lotteries and I always have because I always feel so, I've been broke, I've been poor, I know what it feels like and I don't want ever a single mom or even a family with a sick child to not have the stuff they need when they go to hospital and so I've always supported like the children's hospital. The Miscordia, all the different hospitals, University Hospital for all the research by buying those home lottery tickets. And I never really I think about oh yeah, it'd be fun to win. But you know, I just let it go. I never really focused on it. But then one day I was having coffee with my girlfriends, and I said to them, you know, we were talking about the lotteries, and I said, you know, that's it. I am tired of buying all these tickets and never winning anything at all. I don't need to win the house. That's fine. That's good with that. But I want to win something. And that year I won six times. I won a full camping equipment, I won a paddleboard, I won cameras, I won audio machines, I won cash, certificates, gift certificates, I won dinners, I won six times. And I kept winning for the next four or five years. I kept winning every year. In fact, I still do. I still keep winning. And it's kind of fun because I get stuff in the mail and they'll, they'll mail it to me and they'll say, well, you're the winner, you won this, blah, blah, blah. And I love it. That's law of attraction. How did that work? Because every time I thought about buying one of those tickets or I would sign my name and every time I would purchase one, I would think about how much fun it's going to be to receive a gift for making this small purchase and what I wonder what it'll be this time. Anticipating, looking forward to and knowing that I'm going to win something and enjoying supporting these uh, hospitals and enjoying supporting the groups that are putting together all of these lotteries to help with the communities that we live in. So there was intent. I had an intention. But you know, when you get into the mode of you've got a positive intention and you're using affirmations, which are statements, like, and I'll use one in this example. Gosh, I'm so excited about, about buying this ticket because I just know there's gonna be something in it for me. Now it might be that I need the hospital someday and there'll be something there that my money will have helped support that I'll be able to utilize. It could be just that I win a $100 cash gift certificate to some store. Or it could be whatever it could be. It doesn't matter. But I knew, I know somehow it's going to benefit me in some way. Now, does that sound selfish? Sure, of course. Maybe you think so. I don't think so. I think it just sounds like, you know, having fun and, and still supporting the same cause. It doesn't matter what my mindset is. But every time I go online and I buy one of those tickets, if I'm sitting there mumbling and grumbling and going, well, it's just a waste of money. And it's stupid to buy those because that's just dumb. Well, do you think I would have won anything? Probably not. I don't think crabby, grouchy people have really good luck in their lives. I think they oftentimes, goes the other way. And if they do have good luck, they end up sabotaging themselves anyways, because nine times out of 10, they don't believe that they deserve it. Makes me kind of stop and say, huh, law of attraction. So then I went to Vegas and I was in Vegas at a conference and it was a four-day conference and it was all the authors through Hay House. And there was all these authors that were putting on these workshops and I had a spare afternoon. And I went into a workshop that I I didn't know the speaker. And this was in 2004. So this is a long time ago. And the speaker was billed outside the door as Abraham with Jerry and Esther Hicks. And I'm like, I wonder who these people are. And I poked my head around the corner and it's just about time for their workshop to start. And there was some people in the room, not lots, but there were some. And so I thought, well, there's empty chairs. Maybe I'll pop in here. I don't know who these people are. I don't know anything about them. So I went in. And this lady is standing at the podium. She, the one thing that intrigued me when I poked my head around the door was she had no shoes on. She was barefoot. And I, it just, I just really thought that was cool. And so I, when I went and sat down, I was really intrigued as to where this was going to take us. And she was talking away. And then all of a sudden she says, okay, goodbye. And I'm like, what? I just got here. Like, where is she going? And she closed her eyes. And when she opened her eyes, she was actually, I was intrigued. Because as she opened her eyes, I could see a shift. I could see a shift around her body and I could see a shift in her eyes and her facial features. For me, it was very visible because I was on high alert. When she said goodbye, I was like, do I need to dash from here to another workshop and try and catch it before it starts? Or what's going on? And what was happening was she was taking on what is called the energies of Abraham. So she was, this is Esther Hicks, and she channels the energy of Abraham. She is a full-body trans channel. Now, for those of you that don't believe in such a thing as trans channeling or channeling, you may as well sign off of this right now, because frankly... We're all doing it all of the time. She's doing it for her work and absolutely does it at a higher level than any of the rest of us do it. We do it as mediums. We do it as psychics. We do it as humans that are trying to understand why our parents are reacting the way they are, why our children are feeling the way they are. We are literally channeling to try and pick up all this energy and this information. And so Esther starts talking in a little bit of a different tone, more clipped and a little bit deeper voice. And I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. The psychic in me is wide awake, wide awake and really, really paying attention. And I don't really remember everything that was said in that particular workshop. I did know that they invited people up to come and sit in what they call the hot seat. And people could come up and ask a question of Abraham and Abraham would answer the question. And by the end of the seminar about that particular session, it was an afternoon session. At the end of it all, Esther closed her eyes and opened them again. And now she was Esther. And her voice was very different. And I watched her walk around and and her giggle. She had a real, very feminine giggle. And when I walked out, I bought their book. And I came home and the book is called Asking It Is Given. And it's a learning to manifest your desires. That's what it's called. Asking It Is Giving, learning to manifest your desires. And they, I started reading the book. Now, I don't read a lot of research books. I read this book cover to cover, pen in hand, literally marking the pages, turning the pages, highlighting the page just crazy i was at the book i mean it looked like a little kid had gotten hold of it and then i got to the end of the book and i'm thinking well how do i prove this and i'm got to the end of the, the ch- last chapter. And in the back, they have what they call processes, which are experiments, I guess you could call them. And there was one called a magic creations box. And the magic creations box is like, a, it's like a vision board, but it's not a vision board. You put your stuff that you cut out of magazines and phrases you put in this box. So let me explain it to you. You get a little box with a lid. And I got one, I get a little heart-shaped box for 50 cents from a garage sale <laughs> with a little lid on it, little red heart-shaped box with a lid on it. And I sat down with magazines and I started cutting things out and I started putting things together uh, in this box. And when you put stuff in the box, the instructions say when you put it in the box, you say what is in this box is. So you're giving it life. So I did that. I did that for an afternoon. I didn't tell a soul that I was doing this because if it didn't work. I didn't want to look dumb. And also, didn't want a lot of people coming to me saying, "Well, how's that, how's that manifesting thing going <laughs> that you're doing?" You know, I'm, I'm a coward, just like everybody else out there. I don't want to look stupid. Anyway, so I did. I did the box. Put all my stuff. Again, the instructions said go through the box once a week, no more than that. Just dump it out. And when you pick everything, everything you pick up, pick up the pictures and the phrases you put in there. Look at them one at a time. And Just enjoy them from your heart space of love and put it back in the box. What is in this box is, well, one of the things I got a little carried away when I was doing this and I was putting stuff in that box that probably I didn't need to put in there. I put in a new bathroom because I wanted to redo the bathroom on the acreage. I ended up with a whole new house, which is kind of interesting in itself. But the most interesting part of this is I was cutting things out that I really had never really had an attachment to. And one of those things was a cruise. I'd never really had a desire to cruise. I knew very little about cruising. I'd never Googled cruising or, but there was a cruise ship on the back cover of one magazine. Very last thing I got out and I thought, well, that'll be fun. And I put it in the box. What is in this box is. Now this was in the month of April, March. I was down in, in Vegas at the conference, April. I made the creations box every week. I'd sit down, dump it out, everything in there. I'd, you know, I look at it and I would put it in and I'd say, what is in this box is. I did it exactly the way I was told. Okay. In August, my husband called me from his work and he said, Sharon, how would you like to go to Hawaii for our holidays this year? And I found that kind of unusual because Dave and I are not usually water people. We tend to go to, to the desert. That's more our thing. And I said, well, okay, that sounds like fun. Why are you asking me that? And he said, well, let me ask you this. He says, how do you feel about cruising the Hawaiian islands? And I looked straight at my box and I went, oh my God, oh my God, my cruise that is in my box. It's coming to be. I had no emotional connection to that cruise. I had no, I wasn't getting in the way of that cruise. I hadn't Googled cruises. I didn't know anything about cruising and it's coming to be. I didn't micromanage it. None of that. It's coming to me. And I was like, what are you talking about, Dave? Why are you asking me that? And he says, one more question. How would you like to go for free? Well, then I knew and I just got shivers and I went, oh, my God, I did this. He did not know about the box. Remember, I told no one. Nobody knew about this box. And I got the details and the details were that we were going to be cruising in September and we were going to be cruising the Hawaiian Islands. And it was a promotion that was being done for his company. And he and his spouse were chosen to go and represent for his company. And when he gave me all this information, now I'm a little nervous because the only thing I knew about cruising was that there's a captain's table and that you have to to wear gowns to dinner. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not that high class. I'm just not that kind of person. So he gave me the name of the cruise ship that we were going to be going on. And it was at the very beginning of the freestyle cruises that have now become very popular and very common. You could go on this cruise if you wanted an a la carte, you want to go to the Italian restaurant for fine dining or the steakhouse for fine dining. They were all on the ship. You got all gussied up and you'd make a reservation and you'd go out. But aside from that, you could stay poolside and just go to the buffet if you wanted to. You get, It was however you wanted to do it. It was an amazing experience. That is a perfect example of law of attraction. It doesn't matter how it comes because you don't have to micromanage that. What you're doing is you're getting out of the way by creating these particular manifesting tools, I guess you could call it. I proved that it works. And in many ways, there was many things that came to be out of that box, out of that creations box. And I've done vision boards and I've done all kinds of different things just to support my wishes, my dreams, and my hopes. Did I ever dream that I would be sitting in a chair doing the work that I'm doing right now? Do you remember what I told you earlier? I used to clean empty suites for a townhouse complex. How did I get from there to here? How did I do that? I went back to school over and over and over again until I had what I needed. I went to England, I trained till I had what I needed. I took massage therapy, I took Reiki, I took reflexology. I've taken so many courses so that I could teach and guide and learn and heal and help and make a difference. And all the time, the whole time through all of this, on my bedside table is a little piece of paper that says, how can I make a difference in the world today? And that little piece of paper was there I it's not there anymore. I took it because it was grubby looking. I'm going to put a new one. How can I make a difference in the world today? And it was by my bedside table for years. I saw it every morning when I when I got up and I saw it every night when I went to bed. And that wish, that desire guided me to doing what I'm doing now, where I am making a difference and it is helping others. And this work has been so valuable for me and I'm passionate about it and I love it so much. And I am creating my own reality through my desires and my passions. If you want to manifest and create a good life through the use of the law of attraction, number one, I can help you do that. We can do it through coaching. I can teach you how to do it. But number two, you've got to come from a high place in your heart. You can't come at it from anger or greed or frustration or jealousy or sadness. Because if you do, you're just going to get more of that. Emotions are the language of the soul. And if you come at it from an angry place, you're just going to get more angry stuff around you. But if you can work from your heart self, if you can work from a place of appreciation and passion and love and compassion and and appreciation and hopefulness and, oh, do you realize you can do anything? We are spirit having a human experience. We are spirit, having a human experience, but we get lazy and we get so, so careless and we want to blame everybody else for what's going on. So one of the biggest steps in accepting the work you can do with law of attraction is self-responsibility take responsibility for yourself so no it's not as easy as the secret said you can't just close your eyes and click your heels together three times wriggle your nose and make a wish and expect it to happen you really got to put some effort into it now i put a lot of effort into that magic creations box but what i didn't micromanage or put any effort into except for cutting it out putting it in the box and appreciating it every time i saw it was the cruise And it was one of the very first and fastest things to come to be. So how bad do you want to go on a cruise? How bad do you want to have a home of your dreams? How bad do you want the job of your dreams? How bad do you want to go on that trip to Egypt that you've been dying to go on? How bad do you want to take that cooking class? How bad do you want to do all of that? You're in the way. You're the only one that's in the way. Use the law of attraction. And there's lots and lots more to it. There's tons more to it. Get some Do some research. Look for the books by Esther and Jerry Hicks esther and jerry hicks the first one the best one that i've ever read it's called ask and it is given get that book get that book i promise you you'll be glad you did there's a, a wallet exercise in there too on how to up your money how to create more abundance in your life you want to try that one so how about we pick a card now for you that's going to actually fall into your law of attraction okay so I mentioned just briefly about affirmations. Affirmations are a part of the story. You want to make sure that you've got positive mindset. So you've got a positive self-talk as well. And affirmations are a way to do positive self-talk. So here's a good one. Here's a really good one. I picked a card from the deck by Cheryl Richardson. It's my daily affirmation cards. Here's an affirmation for you. This is a great start to creating your own reality, to be the way you want it to be. And you are using the law of attraction. When you do that, every room in my home makes me smile. What a great affirmation. Every room in my home makes me smile. Even if you think that's just bogus, do it anyways. And walk through your house. Look at every room. And think of the memories in that room. Look at every room. And if you're not like the way the room is sitting, do it anyways. You'll find yourself in that room adjusting this and changing that to make it more comfortable. Every room in my home makes me smile. Here's another one I'm going to give you so that and then I'm going to go. I love living in organized beauty. Isn't that good? I love living in organized beauty. Well, you organized it and the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So you are the keeper of your flame. You are the creator of your reality. You are responsible for your abundance or not. Your abundance in love, abundance in health, abundance in wealth, your abundance in work, abundance of joy, abundance of friends, family. It's your responsibility. You accept that. And if sometimes that means stepping away from what's toxic, you have to do that too. Until next time, thanks very much for tuning in. This is our 50th episode. I'm excited and thank you for your support. Please remember to like and share and subscribe and share this with your friends and I'll look forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye for
0: now. Thank you for listening to another episode of Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. If you love listening to this podcast, we have one little favor to ask you. Please follow us on Spotify, apple podcasts and google podcasts if you love learning from sharon well she's got a few great courses that are ongoing why don't you register for kitchen Witchin? it's on now all you have to do for more information is go to kitchen or if you'd like to book an appointment with sharon for a reading or if you'd like to know more about sharon her psychic services coaching sessions and more workshops go to sharonrose.com that's sharon with a y we'll talk to you next time